0: Well thanks for taking the time to listen to our series, Your Playlist to Victory, our journey through the Psalms of Ascent. We trust that it's going to be a blessing, a blessing if you know Christ, that indeed would be as you contemplate His Word, it would be as the Word says, as you sow to the Spirit that you reap a harvest of righteousness. And if you don't know Christ, it may be a step towards that magnificent commitment. Um, As a church, we're encouraging our members, if you know members' details, contact numbers, physical address or email, that you creatively connect as much as possible. There are safe ways to connect. And let's maybe just think out the box, since we're having to be forced to isolate and um, and be spread out. How can you connect with your church through this time? Um, Either way, friends, we trust that God will bless you as you listen and hear Him and obey Him. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our third installment, your playlist to victory. And I don't know about you, but I could use with some positive news. I could use listening to someone of great faith. I could use a positive testimony at this time. And this morning, we're going to get just that in our journey through the Psalms of degrees or the Psalms of ascent. Um, as we journey through King Hezekiah's compilation of 15 Psalms, as he said in Isaiah 38 verse 20, The Lord will surely save me. And we've seen that he literally, God literally saved King Hezekiah from a terminal illness, adding 15 years to his life. Um, and we have seen God's victory in Jerusalem from this ominous threat of, of the Assyrians. And he says, the Lord will surely save me, so we will play my songs on stringed instruments all the days of our life at the house of the Lord. So he's given us a playlist to victory as he expresses his own victory personally and corporately. And we've been praying that as we listen to these songs, memorize these songs, that we will not forget this word as we make our own journeys through similar trials. Okay, so like Psalm 120, Psalm 121 also has its own drama. Okay, also has its own drama. Now Psalm 121 shifts from the trouble created by the Assyrian invasion to trust. From trouble to trust. Psalm 121 was not a very positive psalm. You know, it it really brought out, and he was expressing his feelings of anxiety, his feelings of being demoralized, and his feelings of just being stressed out. And Psalm 120 just leaves you hanging in that state of hopelessness, right? He's looking north, he's looking south, he is seeing literally no hope, having heard those words from the king's messengers literally at his door step in Jerusalem. Right. And so now our story continues in 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19 from verse 10. The story continues. Let's go to verse 9. Now Sennacherib, that's the king of Assyria, received a report that Terhaka, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. So again, sent messengers to Hezekiah with his word. Verse 10. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely? And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them, the gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden, who were in Talassar? Where is the king of Hamath, or the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Laer, Zepharvim, Hena, and Iva? Okay. So the Assyrian king, he sends a letter to Hezekiah. And as we've read, this letter is a direct attack on God himself. In other words, you're foolish, King Hezekiah, putting your trust in the promises of your God, because history has demonstrated and proven that no God, no one can stand against the Assyrians. All right. So the Assyrian king sends him a letter. Hezekiah takes the letter, and let's see his response from verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian king have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, Our God. So what's Hezekiah's response to the letter? He puts his trust in God alone to deliver him, to deliver him. And the story goes on because the Lord replies through Isaiah the prophet and sends a message to Hezekiah. So we read on from verse 20. Then Isaiah, son of Amos sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Sorry, this is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. Isn't that amazing? God always gets the last word. (laughs) Here it goes. Verse 21. Virgin daughter Zion despises you and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel? By your messengers you have ridiculed the Lord, and you have said, With many chariots I have descended the heights of mountains and the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars and choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest parts, the finest of its forests. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago I ordained it. In days of old I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass.' That you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. Their people, drained of power, are dismayed and put to shame. They are like plants in the field, like tender green shoots, like grass sprouting on the roof, scorched before before it grows up. But I know where you are and when you come and go and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year sow and replant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more a remnant from the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above, For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend the city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David my servant okay so god uses this illustration of a virgin maiden jerusalem who the assyrians have come to violate and god says this little innocent virgin in this precarious vulnerable weak state in the end or what will come out tops and the assyrians will be retreating with their tails between their legs basically right That's what God says to King Sennacherib. In other words, I am sovereign. Now, to Psalm 121, where King Hezekiah gives expression to this trouble. Yes, that's the reality. But also, trust. Trust. In the sovereign God. This is the soundtrack to trouble, trust. And that's why I've called it. It, It's both those things. Trouble and trust. And his confidence he places in the Lord in this trouble. So a much brighter psalm than Psalm 120 last week. Alright, let's read together from Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains... The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Two observations, just quickly, as we look at this infamous psalm. Six different times, the psalm is actually used one word in the Hebrew, and that Hebrew word is Shemar. Six different times. Okay. Twice in verses 3 and 4, once in verse 5, and three in verses 7 and 8. And Shemar means a pla- to place a hedge around. And to place a hedge around has been interpreted as protection, preservation, guarding, watching over, preserving, and keeping. Okay, so get the sense of this, get the heart of it, get the mood of it. This is the shamar of God. God places a hedge around. He guards. He watches. He preserves. He protects. He keeps. He keeps. And this same sentiment is found, beloved, in the New Testament in Romans eight twenty eight and 29. You know this text well. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay? So observation number one, in a sense, that all believers, all believers are kept, guarded, preserved, protected, watched over. In fact, Paul uses the word, uh, pro-horizo, pro which means predetermined, predestined. There is a predetermined outcome that every Christian, every believer will be made like Jesus. That's for sure. That's not going to change. God has put a boundary around that. There's a, That's where we get the word horizon from. So a believer, a true child of God, God is saying, I have hedged you. I've put a boundary around you. I absolutely guarantee that I will not let anything through that hedge or touch your life unless I know I can ultimately use it for your spiritual good or for my greater glory. What a truth. And, and that is the essence of Shamar, King Hezekiah's use of the word. In other words, uh, we have a great defender our defense is great it's not an army it's not a wall it's not a political strategy it's not even money because if you look into the story he tried to buy protection earlier and that fell flat you know that fell flat it's not money it's not a wall it's not an army in the lord is my defense god's presence was their greatest defense because god himself was going to ensure that his purposes for Jerusalem, his people, and those promises will be fulfilled. And we know the story because the Messiah has come from this, these people. But also notice the second observation. We have the Shemar threaded right through the whole psalm. But we also have a dialogue here. And like so many of the other psalms, there's a dialogue. And the dialogue is within King Hezekiah himself. King Hezekiahs speaking God's truth to himself which brings us to a very powerful application how do we overcome the anxious thoughts we talked about last week being demoralized being anxious being stressed out how do we overcome that we overcome it by speaking truth to ourselves so I've put in your notes there you stop listening to yourself and you start speaking to yourself You stop listening to yourself and you start speaking to yourself. Speaking what exactly? Speaking God's truth to yourself. You've heard the cliche, the battlefield is the mind and what controls your thoughts controls you. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. And when trouble comes, you have a choice. You can focus on the trouble and and the size of the problem. And the more you focus on that, guaranteed, it's only going to get bigger and bigger. And guess what? You'll be crushed under that you know, you, you keep listening to yourself. It, you're just going to take yourself deeper and deeper into a spiritual wilderness, confused by Satan's lies and compounded by the guilt and shame of it. Or, or friends, you and I can take this soundtrack, take the song, meditate on God. We need a song for these times of trouble. And God has given us a song to meditate on, a word for today, to focus on His size, His ability His glory, His attributes, His character, His promise. And He says, I will bring you through. Not only am I going to bring you through, but I'm going to use this to strengthen your relationship with me. And not only am I going to get you through, not only am I going to strengthen you, I'm going to use this for my greater glory. And I'm going to make you more like myself. Stop listening to yourself, and let's start speaking to ourselves. Or, to be more direct in the application, let's start singing to ourselves. So here's point number one. Point number one. Trouble invasion. When trouble invades, what would King Hezekiah say? Hmm? Put your trust in the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. That's what we see in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 121. The Lord, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It's not the mountains. The mountains are pointing to a greater reality. The mountains are big. Yes, they're strong. They're immovable. But they're lifeless. <laughs> it's not the mountains they get. The mountains point to the, the creator of the mountains. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. And where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven And earth, the maker of heaven and earth. And we read that in 2 Kings 19 verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. So the ground of King Hezekiah's confidence was that God would deliver him from the Assyrians was from whom? the one who made heaven and earth. Now think now. Think now. There are many more, but there are some presuppositions we can draw from this God who made heaven and earth. Let's just dwell on this a little bit. Okay? Especially when trouble comes. If God is the maker of heaven and earth, then God is absolute Reality. Nothing exists before God. God is the absolute reality. Nothing exists before God. Therefore, nothing exists outside of God, which He did not create. God is sovereign over all. Amen? God is the only independent and self-sufficient being that exists. Everything that exists, exists because God created it. Everything is dependent on God. And stays in existence only because of God's will. Another presupposition. God is constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot be upgraded. He is who He is. And He is and forever will be. Presupposition number four. God is the absolute truth. Everything He says and does matches who He is. So God is the most important reality, the most valuable person in the universe. He is more worthy of trust, allegiance than any other reality in the entire universe put together. He's the absolute reality. He is the only independent and self-sufficient being. He is constant. He is the absolute truth. And he is the most important reality. So when the rubber hits the road, there are three questions we can ask ourselves. If my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth, is there any trouble too difficult he cannot overcome? Of course not. If my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth, is there any enemy too powerful he cannot defeat? Of course not. And if my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, is there any need too great? You cannot meet, no, of course not. And we contemplated Psalm twenty three, which is that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And his rationale for his confidence, remember that? On good days, by the still waters, the green pastures, on the path of common righteousness, and on the bad days, through the valleys of the shadow of death. His rod and staff protected him. In fact, in the presence of enemies, a table, he saw the Lord's portion. He saw the Lord's portion. It was a feast. And King Hezekiah re- realizes similarly. Now we saw last week, King Hezekiah is looking north and south. He's looking all around. It's just a ring of fire. All right, Where's his help going to come from? So now he picks up his eyes and he looks up. He looks up. Up at the sovereignty of God. And when you look at the sovereignty of God, King Sennacherib becomes immediately small. In fact, King Sennacherib becomes nothing compared to God Almighty. He is nothing. And so he says, Therefore, I put my trust in him. The mountains are great and strong, but they're lifeless. I put my trust in Him. Coming back to this observation of Shema, this is the second point. When trouble invades your life, place your trust in the Lord, okay? And let's just dwell on this principle of Shema, the preservation, watching over, keeping you, guarding you, protecting you. And that's the point. He will keep you. Three bullets in your notes there, quickly. Your Savior will keep you as verse 3 and 4 says, from falling. Hezekiah's realizing this. He will keep me from falling. God is constantly guarding, constantly watching, constantly protecting. He will protect me. He will keep me. He will give me the victory with the Assyrians. I can't see it. I don't understand it, but I trust Him. My faith is in that one. Like it says in Jude 24 and 25, To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Your Savior will keep you from falling. Your Savior will guard you when your enemy attacks. Verses 5 and 6. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. When the fight comes, God will protect you. This is our song. Are you singing the song? Do you know the song? Are we keeping the songs close to heart? Your Savior will protect you from being spiritually harmed by evil. Verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Didn't Jesus teach us to pray this? Deliver us from the enemy? This doesn't mean that we won't be confronted with evil. It doesn't mean that we are immune to trials and pain and suffering. But rather that God gives us the guarantee, the shamar, that nothing will get through. Nothing will get through that he can't use. All of it. All of it, every bit of it will be used to develop our faith and our intimacy. Just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. And why don't we just take a look at Jesus? Okay, put him in his most precarious, most vulnerable, most weak state. Where is that? On the cross, on the cross. All right? Unspeakable pain, unspeakable shame, Okay, And here he is given the, capital T, instrument of execution. And he transforms this into a life-giving source uh, from which all eternal life flows. All those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will do the same. What God did in Jesus' life, He will do in your life. Okay? Look again at the cross. All the evil, the shame, the pain, the suffering, the trial that came on the cross, on the, capital T, instrument of execution. What did God do with that trouble? Capital T. What did God do with that trouble for Jesus? With Jesus trusting God... God used that and transformed it into a life-giving source for eternal life. And what God did for Jesus' life, He wants to do for your life, my life, our church's life. But we must trust Him and we must put our faith in Him. If there is no trust, if, if, if there's no faith, then it's unbelief. It's just unbelief. And and one example of this unbelief, you know the story well, the Israelites are delivered from Egypt, right, with the intention of going to the promised land. Now they didn't get there because of yes, trouble. And what did the trouble do? It wasn't the trouble that got kept them out, it was their unbelief and their disobedience in the trouble that kept them out of the promised land. They had no confidence in the god in God. They were not willing to put their trust in God. Instead, they just complained and they were murmuring against God in their troubles, questioning their leadership, questioning um, what was coming against them. They doubted God. So, friends, sing the song. Sing the song. God is here. Our Father, He loves us. He's placed a hedge around us. And he does expect us to honor him in these times, at this day, in these circumstances, by trusting him. And let's realize that when there is a complaining spirit, a critical spirit, a murmuring spirit about our circumstances or or others, then you know what we're doing? We're pointing a finger at God himself because he is sovereign. He wants to use all of it, all of it. I mean, how complicated is the situation we're experiencing now in our country at this time? It's very complicated. There are a lot of facets. There's no one liner. There's no one, um, you know, explanation. Very complicated, multifaceted as to the reasons of where we are uh, as we are. But God wants to use all of it to mold and shape our life. All we must do is, is surrender. That's it surrender and say yes lord you know what's best i give you my life remember we did that we gave him our life and by giving him our life we said lord you right you have absolute freedom to do as you please in my life in fact we are to thank him for the circumstances we face thank him for the troubles that come because we know that they produce good things is that the condition of your heart is that the 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 condition of your faith this morning i put my trust in you you have hedged me you're watching over me and even in this even in this i thank you god you have absolute freedom to reign and do as you wish for my good And for your greater glory. Wow. What a song. We need this song. I need this song. So two closing lessons. Well, maybe three. In these times. In these days. Let's realize afresh. hey, What difference prayer makes. We've had the king of Assyria... Saying words at his door, we've now got the king of Assyria writing letters, and what's King Hezekiah's response? Takes the scroll, he falls fat on his face, and he prays. He just prays, friends. That's what we need to do. We just got to pray, and uh, there are things that will happen because we pray. They will happen. I mean, how much hasn't happened because we didn't pray? We didn't trust God. You see this all through the Bible. In, in fact, in King Hezekiah, this young king, in these difficult contexts, remember, he took a reign not with, his starting point was not great, it was terrible. He took the reins from a terrible king, a terrible dad. And what turned it around was prayer. And the prophets were telling him, sorry king you've taken on a kingdom that is done it's cooked god is tired of your sin okay it's done and king hezekiah does what he humbles himself he repents there's a national revival and the lord changed his mind about the misfortune he was going to bring to jerusalem god is sovereign he's always true to his character he is holy He will punish sin. And he is also loving and merciful. So when he sees repentance and humbling expressed in prayer, he responds to that. He responds to that. And we've read it in 2 Kings 19 verse 20. The son of Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Friends, the Lord hears our prayers. He hears your prayer. Don't stop praying. Don't stop singing. Don't stop singing. Our prayers do make a difference. Second closing lesson. This week, the Lord spoke to me through this, I believe, that I need to change the narrative. Maybe you need to change the narrative. We're listening to so many news sources, so many theories, so many blogs, listening to ourselves, listening to friends, friends. We need to double check that as citizens of a new kingdom, as children of the Lord who serve a risen king, we need to make sure that our line of communication is clear. Our story is not to echo the stories of our friends, news, political views, our conspiracies, our opinions, or even our own thoughts. Our story is the king's story. Let's make sure that in the coming week, we are listening to our king. We are drawing near to our king. And that what comes out of us is the king's narrative, the king's story, the great gospel, the good news. That's what must come out. And when we are pricked and poked and shaken, what ought to come out? Fruit. Fruit. Perseverance. Faith. Love. Goodness. Self-control. Power. Love. That's what comes out of us when we're shaken. Amen. When trouble comes, we trust. When trouble comes, we trust. And I think the third closing lesson is is that in our praying, in our trusting, ultimately, ultimately, we can't not see it that we saw at the end of of 2 Kings chapter 19. Right? That he will do it for his own glory. That he will do it for his own glory. If we look at King Hezekiah's prayer, he says there, And now, O Lord our God, I pray, deliver us from His hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that You alone, O Lord, are God. And the same for us. You pray that God would be put on display as we surrender to Him. Let's start singing this song. Let's change our narratives in the coming week, in our going in and our coming out. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this song. Thank you for these words, this expression from King Hezekiah's heart, what he experienced, and his reasons for trusting in you. Father, I pray it would be a light in all of our hearts that are listening, a light so bright and so strong that we too would have picked up our eyes and remain focused on you in this time. Lord, I pray that we would change, we would fine-tune what we're listening to, and we would not stop or, or block what you are wanting to communicate to us. We pray, God, we would not be overwhelmed by what we see, but keeping our eyes on you and our ears open to you would be directed by the Holy Spirit. That truly, Lord, we would take our stand against the enemy, resist him, And that, Lord, when provoked, when asked, we always give reason for our hope. We would find in us always something to say about our Savior. Something to say about his purposes. Something to say about his love. Something to say about his sovereignty. Something to say about his attributes, his promises, his grace, his plans, his purpose. Lord, we have much to say, much to sing about and to declare. Oh, Lord, I pray you would find your children singing in this time singing and declaring your praises. And we know, Lord, when we sing and declare your praises, your presence couldn't be closer. So we pray, Lord, as we draw near to you, you would draw near to us, giving us your victory. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our ABC podcast today. If you'd like to know more about ABC, then please check us out on Facebook, on YouTube, or our website. We also have resources we like to share freely to everyone uh, through Right Now Media. We have a channel with them and we'd love to share you that link. Just email us on totibaptists at gmail.com or WhatsApp us directly on 79 33 and we'll get you in touch with those links and resources. If you have a prayer request or an item of praise or a question, then also feel free to get in touch with us via those links. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and give you His peace.